This year has been a difficult one for rural America. Commodity prices remain low, trade disputes have narrowed key export markets, resulting in lost profits. Farm incomes are falling while debt and bankruptcies are on the rise. Farmers are burning through farm equity, trying to stay afloat. As we approach the new year, America's farmers and ranchers are holding on to the hope that it brings renewed prosperity to the heartland. And there's good reason for that hope. Welcome to Groundwork. I'm your host, Tom Sell. Today's guest is Dr. John Newton, Chief Economist at the American Farm Bureau Federation. John is one of the foremost experts on farm economics. Thanks, John, for joining us today. Why don't you just start by giving our listeners maybe just a short um, Ag Econ 101 type of lesson. Why is it that farming is different than other productivist industries, particularly from, a, from an economics viewpoint? Well, well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on and, and Merry Christmas to, to you and your family and all the listeners. You know, when you look at, at farming and, and what makes it uh, so different uh, than under in, other industries, I think the first thing that, that comes to mind is Mother Nature's our business partner. Uh, farmers take out uh, considerable amounts of debt each year uh, to put a crop in the ground, uh, and they ultimately don't know what that crop's going to be at harvest because they depend so critically on Mother Nature to give them uh, good weather so they can raise a good crop. And then the other thing that's so different, uh, farmers are price takers. So whether it's a dairy farmer, uh, a farmer raising hogs or raising corn and soybeans, uh, they're subject to the market prices out there. They can't set their own price. Uh, a dairy farmer, for example, milks a cow every day, and that milk needs to go to market every single day. So they can't keep the milk on farm and wait for a better price. So farmers are price takers, and, and then they deal with uh, unprecedented weather uh, that makes growing a crop very difficult some years. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, it, what you said there just made me think of that old President Kennedy quote, uh, John F. Kennedy, where he said the farmer is the only entity in the economy that buys retail, sells wholesale, and pays a freight both ways. It, it, and, and certainly he was going to that kind of price taker mechanism. I think the other interesting thing that, uh, you know, people, not everyone grasps when, when I'm on Capitol Hill is just that you really get two shots at a crop a year. One is in the Northern Hemisphere, one is in the Southern Hemisphere. And, you know, it's not like if, if something is going bad, you can just start over. There's a growing season. And, yeah. um, and so not everyone can make it. And, and so you're, even your supply side of the occasion, it's, it's what you were talking about, being a partner with Mother Nature. It's a great way of phrasing it. Um, <laughs> she's a difficult partner. She's a surly partner at times. It doesn't always cooperate. And so your supply side of the equation is, is really the driver and, and, and the thing that can, can throw a monkey wrench in, in the, the rural economy for sure. Well, I think there's there's no better example of how fickle Mother Nature can be than the last two years. Uh, we had two Category 5 hurricanes uh, come up. One came up uh, to the Gulf. Uh, one came up through the East Coast. Uh, we had Farm Bureau members in North Carolina say they got 2,000-year floods two years in a row. Uh, then you had record rainfall across the Midwest. Farmers couldn't plant 20 million acres of corn, soybeans, and wheat this year uh, because it was so wet this spring, and then now it's so cold and so wet in parts of the upper Midwest, we still have a billion bushels of corn out there across the United States, nearly 8% of the corn supply that can't be harvested yeah. and may not be harvested until next spring. That's how fickle Mother Nature can be, and we haven't even talked about volcanoes in Hawaii or wildfires in California. 
You said it. it it's remarkable. And, and, and when those storms come in, it's, you know, that is the farmer's income for the year. Isn't that right? Well, it, it's their it's their income for the year, and then in the case of of the Midwest uh, this spring, back in March, uh, we had unprecedented flooding across parts of uh, Missouri, Nebraska, Iowa, and that took their income from last year because you had grain that was in storage; yeah. those storage bins were damaged, and so farmers lost a crop that they had raised last year due to Mother Nature. So uh, she can come and bite you at any point uh, throughout the crop year or marketing year. Yeah, it's it's been a, a wild one. Obviously, there's also the struggle currently of, of just kind of low prices. So, you know, we all know America's farmers are struggling right now. Your research I've seen has actually shown that the average on-farm income in many cases is in the negatives. So they're burning equity. Meanwhile, farmers hold $416 billion in debt, the highest since the 1980s farm financial crisis. Can you just give us kind of that broad swath overview of, of the rural economy, what your research has shown of late? Well, you're exactly right. Farm debt in, in 2019 is projected to be uh, a record high. USDA just updated it to $415 billion. If you adjust that for inflation, it's, it's only slightly below uh, the farm debt that we had right before the, the farm financial crisis in the 80s. So uh, farm debt's record high. And then when you look at uh, on-farm income, on average, half the farms in the country lose money every year. And it's it's the strong macro U.S. economy. It's off-farm income uh, that really helps a lot of farmers con continue uh, mm -hmm. through this downturn in the farm economy, whether they're driving the, the school bus in the rural community, working at the school, working at the hospital. It's that kind of off-farm income that, A, helps them stay in business, and, B, gives them access to health care. Uh, the rural economy is is so important uh, to America, and farmers and ranchers are a big component of that. It, sometimes when I'm having these types of conversations with with folks, they were like, "Why would anyone ever do this? Um, you know, take out so much risk, put their livelihoods on on the line each year, put their wealth on the line each year to try and produce a crop. What makes them different? What makes them so so kind of brave to 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 you know plant this seed, to cultivate the ground and plant the seed each year?" Just speak to their character a little bit. I, I think it's probably in the blood. I mean, a lot of farmers, their their grandparents were fathers, they're farmers, their great-grandparents were farmers. It's, it's something that's that's in the family. And, and when, you know, you're a farmer and rancher out there and you've got a, a son or daughter that wants to come back to the farm, we need to make sure that they've got a farm to come back to. Yes. And I think that's what, why it's so important uh, that we have a robust and strong farm economy. We have a robust and strong rural economy. So those, those sons and daughters that want to come back and run the dairy or raise corn and soybeans across the Midwest have a strong economy to come back to. And it's in the blood. It's something that, that many of our members, they, just, they, they love, uh, as, as some say, it playing in the dirt every day. <laughs> I love it. And they are, I, you know, most of the farmers I know are kind of fundamentally altruistic. They, they do this, you know, not for kind of their own gain or because it's perhaps the most profitable or easiest lifestyle, but they believe they're doing something really important for the world. And, and in fact, they are. So a healthy farm well, economy depends on exports. And this has been a big topic of discussion the last couple of years, obviously. Unfortunately, trade disputes and retaliatory tariffs have deeply harmed America's farmers. 
farmers are thankful for the temporary relief of, of the trade assistance package, the market facilitation program distributed by the Trump administration. What's the impact of this assistance, John? What are you seeing on the ground? And do you predict the White House will continue providing this type of aid until we have a full recovery? Well, I think the, the first thing to note is, is there's not a farm farmer that I've talked to around the country uh, that would rather have aid instead of trade. Uh, they want to sell products around the world. Uh, we've spent 20 years building the Chinese market since China joined the WTO in 2001. That's that's going around, finding customers in China, teaching them how to use American agricultural products in their food systems. The checkoff programs and the export programs, export promotion programs have done a fantastic job. And we want to knock on doors around the world because we've got the highest quality food products that you can get. And so in talking to farmers, uh, we know how important trade is. You know, at one point it represented about 25% of our gross income. Yeah. And when I talk to people, you know, this year in particular and last year, uh, the, the trade assistance dollars has certainly helped uh, some people stay afloat. Uh, it's helped some people, uh, you know, when they would have maybe lost a lot of money this year, maybe they, they, they scratched out a little bit of a profit so they can uh, keep going next year. Uh, and in terms of whether or not the administration will, will provide a, another round of assistance, I think it really depends on uh, the recovery that we see in the farm economy. Uh, we keep uh, hearing talks about a phase one deal with China. We're seeing them buy more soybeans and pork, uh, but, but they need to come back and buy more wool product, the grain products, beef products, poultry products. Uh, it's not just uh, soybeans and pork. We need to see a full recovery That's right. in the farm economy. Let's throw some dairy and ethanol in there. It is, we're a long way from, uh, uh, there are reasons to be hopeful on this front to be sure, but we are a long way from the $50 billion target that, that President Trump talked about. The goal, I, I think 40 to $50 billion was, was the way he phrased it, in annual sales. That, that's a big number. That would make a fundamental change, would it not? Oh, that, that, would, that would double more than double uh, their their previous uh, high in, exp in, in purchases uh, from the United States. So that would certainly be a big deal. And then when you think about uh, the, the potential to, to get USMCA through the House before Christmas and then uh, maybe through the Senate in 2020, uh, that shows the world that if this administration negotiates a trade deal, that Congress can get it done and that we're open for business. Uh, it's... it's uh obviously encouraging that, that we're now at a point where the deal has, has apparently been made. Now we're just preparing the, the, the uh, resolution that will approve the USMCA uh, within Congress, hopefully before uh, the end of the year in the House, which is where the, the big hangup has been, where the question has been on the vote, and then it'll, it'll go to the Senate. But certainly reason to be encouraged there. I think that the Japan trade deal that was hammered out a couple weeks ago, or the phase one on, on Japan is is encouraging too. Don't you agree? Well, you know, here's the key thing with Japan. Uh, you know, Farm Bureau estimated that the Trans-Pacific Partnership would have boosted farm income by $4 billion, net farm income. Uh, that's real money to farmers and ranchers. Uh, we did pull out a TPP uh, two years ago, and, and they went on without us. Japan is one of our biggest markets, so getting this deal is going to put us back on a level playing field in 2020. 
when we're going to start to see tariff reduction, stage tariff reductions. That's a big deal for beef and pork products, two of our, our top products that's going into that Japanese market. Those are great points. And, and again, I, and we said it at the top of the episode, that there are some reasons for optimism that the, the 2020 could be better. Certainly a thawing, a, 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 a entering back into these, these export markets would be top among those, those reasons. Even so, uh, John, we, you know, we've got to observe prices were pretty low relative to cost of production for farms, you know, before the trade war, they're still low and there's still a lot of product on the market. This of course is why we have farm bills. This is why we have the so-called safety net, uh, a series of, of laws, uh, in this nation that are designed to stand by the American farmer through tough times. It is a cyclical commodity market worldwide and it's a tough business for these farmers. So we have crop insurance and we have a farm bill. I'd love to hear your thoughts just on, uh, obviously we've had a lot of assistance in addition to the farm bill through MFP and, and, and of late some disaster packages to address these ex really extraordinary, as you said, 2000 year floods in two years type of weather events. I'd love to just hear your thoughts on the farm safety net and, 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 and what we can do to strengthen that safety net uh, going forward. Well, we need these shock absorbers because, you know, as we talked about, Mother Nature's uh, your business partner. You can lose a crop. And, and when you think about, uh, you know, it costs you $600,000 to plant 1,000 acres of corn, losing a crop could put you out of business. So you need these risk management tools. You need access to robust futures and options markets. You need access to strong crop insurance programs. The Title I programs are, are very, very important. Uh, but, you know, we were, we were fortunate enough to get the farm bill done uh, in a bipartisan way back in 2018. We worked. Uh, all of agriculture came together to support that farm bill. Uh, but farm bills were never designed uh, to address unfair retaliatory tariffs. And that's why the market facilitation program help farmers and and it's not made anybody whole but it certainly helped them absorb the the financial shock of losing uh, one of the top export markets for our products i think that's perfectly said john i i tell you it's been really fun to to get to watch you in the role at farm bureau you're an excellent spokesman uh for agriculture and advocate for agriculture voice for agriculture in washington dc where it's really needed um and obviously you bring uh, some great economic chops. So, so let's hear, we're at the end of the year, 2020 is ahead of us. We all, you know, farmers are uh, in, in a lot of cases uh, cleaning their equipment and, and starting to make their plans for, uh, for the 2020 crop. What do you see on the horizon? What do, what do you think 2020 uh, spells for us? Given all the potential uh, trade thawing and, and, uh, and, and potential greater market access, um, are you generally hopeful on, on the 2020 crop year that, that, that there, there could be better times ahead? Well, when we look at where farm income is in 2019, it's projected at $92.5 billion. Uh, that's, that's on average where we've been in inflation-adjusted dollars over the last 20 years. But when you look at 2020 and think about what lies ahead, the way we're going to see higher prices is one of two ways. A smaller crop. And it doesn't have to be here. It has maybe somewhere else around the world. So that's when you start to look at the Southern Hemisphere or 
a demand shock that you didn't anticipate. And so that's where trade is so important. That's a big demand boost. Uh, restore uh, that Chinese market. Let's get to that 40 to 50 billion. Maybe it takes a few years, but you know, come back and buy soybeans like you used to. That that goes a long way. Uh, but we've also got to deal with this the small refinery exemption uh, on ethanol. Uh, we can't have demand destruction there. Uh, we need strong demand for our agricultural products, and that's how we're going to have a more prosperous 2020. A strong demand. Thank you for raising that issue too. Thank you, John, for spending time with us uh, this morning, sharing your great insight. From all of us at Farm Policy Facts, we hope you have a very Merry Christmas and end of 2019. We also hope you'll continue to support America's farmers and ranchers as we ring in a new year. Most of all, we hope 2020 will in fact be more prosperous, a better year for our nation's producers. I'm Tom Sell.